friends. Welcome to Encouraged and Equipped. On this podcast, we introduce you to the women of Christ Chapel Bible Church. We love being encouraged to live out our faith in Jesus by hearing the stories of women in our church community. We are so glad that you're here. I think I could listen to Krupa Patel all day long. Since I first heard her story, moments of it have played in my mind. From God's care for her before she knew Him, to the gospel changing her heart, to her passion for speaking up about Jesus, you're not going to want to miss this episode. Here's Camille's conversation with Krupa. Hi, and welcome to Encouraged and Equipped. I'm Camille, and today I've got my friend Krupa with me. And we're sharing Krupa's story today, and I'm so excited about it. And um, you might remember Krupa from our Christmas Advent episode. Um, And today she is here to talk about her life and what the Lord has done. I'm so excited about it. Me too. Before we start, though, I have a question. What is a small thing that's brought you joy recently? Um, the weather has been fantastic, mm-hmm. and I was just telling you a second ago about our Sunday activities. Oh, yes. Um, but usually after church on Sunday, um, one of the gals in our friend group will have all of us over, and she has like a park right outside of her house. And so we just spend so many hours on Sundays these days, um, playing outside, which is like kind of fun being 25 ah. and, and getting to say we're like playing outside I on Sundays. That. So it's been a lot of fun to get. Good time outside with friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm guessing dogs. Lots of dogs. Yeah. A lot of my friends have gotten dogs recently. So mm-hmm. lots of dogs. Yeah. And they're so cute. I love it. <laughs> that's like, that's the perfect day. A nice like springtime day, not like a rainy, mm-hmm. weirdly cold springtime day, but like a nice springtime day. And we've day. had so many good ones. I know. So yesterday was a perfect one. Perfect. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. Well, for those of you... Um, who remember Krupa from our previous episodes. Maybe you've gotten to know her through Life Stage 2 or women's ministry events. Um, but for those listeners who haven't had the joy of getting to know you, um, I'd love for you to tell us about how you came to know Jesus. Um, but would you mind giving us a little backstory first? Yeah, yeah. I can start off with um, kind of some stuff about where I'm from and then mm-hmm. how I grew up and whatnot. Um yeah. I my f- my family lived in India, um, so I was born in India. Mm-hmm. Part of my family lived in the states, though. So, like, my dad's brother lived in the states, um, and we lived in India. We just I, my dad was like, uh, he was a farmer in India. He loved farming, mm-hmm. um, so he didn't like plan to move here ever. Compared to his older brother, who was like very ambitious um, and wanted really, to come to the states, so can't really move a farm. Unfortunately, no, so. it's not. No, it's not mobile. So yeah, we had to stay there. Um, so I lived in um, India for the first several years of my life. Um, like I said, my dad was a farmer, um, so we lived in a tiny village. Um, but I don't have terribly too many memories of that. Um, but it was a nice, quaint place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and my family really loved being there. Um, but what really brought us to the States was my dad's older brother, Mm -hmm. um, ended up suddenly passing away. Um, and so culturally it's really important, um, in our culture, I guess, for the younger brother than to like step up and take care of his family here and whatnot. And so he had, he is married, um, and had two daughters. And so 
we all moved to the United States. It was supposed to be really temporary while we get things sorted out mm -hmm. um, and whatnot. And so moved here um, when I was oh, just a few years old. So wow. um, still pretty, pretty little, but uh, moved here with that reason um, in mind. And then um, just kind of lived together all together as a huge family. So like my aunt and my cousins and then me and my mom my brother, my dad, all of us lived together mm -hmm. here um, in the States. Um, <clears throat> and so that was kind of like the first year of our lives here. And then um, unfortunately, just like a year into us being in the States, my dad ended up passing away um, in a car accident. So this car accident happened um, because there was a drunk driver that was driving up the exit ramp going oh, kind of the gosh. wrong way. So my dad was in the car. I was in the car. My mom was in the car. Brother aunt and cousins. It was a minivan. So wow. lots of us in the car. Um, I think we were headed to go uh, drop off food for our friends. Mm -hmm. My mom's friend, she was pregnant at the time. So they just wanted to drop off some dinner. So pretty casual mm -hmm. kind of night. We all piled in to go see her and on our drive home, um, got in this um, crazy wreck. Wow. And my dad ended up passing away on the spot. Um, wow. And then my mom was in the hospital for a very long time um, in a coma. And um, she woke up and was paralyzed uh, fully on in her right arm, but then like partially just on her right side. So, um, yeah, that was a huge marker for a lot of my early years of, of life is moving wow. here. And then um, – you know, this crazy thing happening. And so um, after that, like I said, we never intended to stay here. I don't think that was my dad's plan. If it was up to him, we'd probably live in India. Yeah. Um, but then that happened and my mom got out of the hospital and my mom and my aunt just kind of tag teamed it and decided to stay together um, and yeah, raise us all in the same home and and stay here and, and whatnot. India is also interesting I mean, it's progressed a lot, but, like, mm -hmm. I just don't know that they would have <clears throat> made it as, like, two single women in India. Yeah. Taking care of kids. There's not even, like, lots of work opportunity for women there. Right. Um, so it felt like the best decision was to stay here. And my mom had already decided at that point that she really didn't intend to remarry at any point in her life. Mm -hmm. um, and so. And this is your this is your mom and your dad's brother's wife. Yes. Yeah. They're not, like. They're not biologically sisters, right? related. They're not sisters. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is like the best yeah. kind of story that they've like become such good friends too. Mm, yeah. I mean, I was just talking to them a couple of weeks ago and I was just like, would you say that you two are like friends or are you just like relatives? Like what's the deal, you know? <laughs> and and they look to each other and they're like, well, we do everything together. We're oh like best goodness. friends. And I was like, that's so that is the sweetest. <laughs> and after like years of oh my like goodness. raising kids together. Yeah. And that's that's saying a lot. And they've like been through very similar things. <clears throat> Maybe not from the same circumstance, you know? Yeah. But my car my aunt was in the car accident too. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, went through all of that season with us too. And so she didn't have as many injuries coming out of it, but um, you know, yeah. So was there for that time, and mm -hmm. and experienced a lot of things that my mom's experienced, and then also just like raising kids here, yeah, without husbands. And it's like crazy because it's like we moved here, mm -hmm. um, and like they don't know the language. 
right all the different barriers kind of here and they mm-hmm. have very similar experiences in that way too where it's like it's not like one of them had been here their whole life and like the other hadn't or anything right. like that it's like they just kind of followed their husbands over here and wow and uh and then they were here in a country that they are not super familiar with and raising kids kind of on their own and mm-hmm. and so i think it's awesome that they decided to stick it out together and and they're still living together so wow that's it's incredible mm-hmm. so you were not going to stay here in mm-hmm. the States. Yep. <clears throat> After the accident, mm-hmm. was it pretty clear that like y'all were going to be there for the long haul? Yeah. I mean, I don't know that there was like a huge decision that was made in it. It kind of felt like life just started happening after that, right? Like mm-hmm. we just were living together. So then we stayed living together. So I don't know that there was ever an active decision made in how we were going to handle the next steps. Yeah. It's kind of taking it day by day. But at the time we had lots of family um, fly in from different places to help take care of us when my mom was in the hospital. So we had tons of people around for like maybe the first few months after the car accident had happened. And then of course, as time went on and my mom got out of the hospital and started, um, doing some like physical therapy and all the different things. Um, you know, people had, people had gone, gone back to, you know, where they're at and stuff. And so life settled in and it looked really different for us. Mm -hmm. Um, just really, really different. And even in the smallest of things, um, the day that my mom came home from the hospital Mm -hmm. was a crazy day. I feel like I remember it clear as day, but uh, she had the longest hair before the car accident. Yeah. Very long, beautiful hair. Yeah. And they had to cut it because she was in a coma for like so long and um, they can't wash it and maintain it for her. So they cut her hair and like her face looked really different. And of course, like just being in the hospital for so long, you look different and they like brought her in and on on a wheelchair mm-hmm. and my brother and I were just playing around we're young of course and we see her and we're like it was a joke we're like no that's your mom no that's your oh, mom no. you know and we like definitely didn't think that was either of our moms we we're just like making fun of this right lady oh gosh oh, I know oh, horrible right but y'all were little like we were y'all so were little really yes. little yeah little little like you're not even five at maybe you were five I at was this five. Point. yeah okay yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But still, little. Yeah, I know. And I had no idea that was my mom. Yeah. Right? Yes. I mean, that's how different it was. Yeah. Yeah. So it's totally night and day. Yeah. So it's super different. Um, my mom thinks it's funny now. So it's good. <laughs> now she can laugh about <laughs> it. recovered from that. Lo, these many years later. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, life looked really different after that. We really struggled in so many senses. Um, financially, it was really difficult with our moms just being just the two of them. And again, we'd like moved here with like not lots of, um, experience or it's not like they like worked when they were in India. So this was also their first time kind of like working and making, um, a living for our family. And so that was different. And then struggled just like with having a big family and all living together and like all the things that that could mean. And I mean, by no means, our, our house was like really small. So um, kind of like the first, this oh man, up until I was maybe 10 or 11 years old, mm-hmm. we, my mom, my brother and I, and my cousin, my older cousin, mm-hmm. we would sleep on the floor together because the place that we lived in was just like a little one bedroom place. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd sleep on the floor in the living room together till I was like 10, 11 years old. Yeah. Um, and the way we'd do that was we'd have these like, I don't know, stowaway mattresses that we had mm-hmm. during the day. We'd put them up, but come the evening, we'd bring them out, yep. put all the bedding on it, and go to sleep for the night, mm-hmm. shove them all away in the morning. I thought it was really fun. Honestly, I, yeah. didn't, I don't think I really knew any difference. Right. So I thought it was a lot of fun. <laughs> but um, 
it was very hectic with so many people in such a small space and yeah, and really difficult at times too. And um, it felt like for so long, you know, it felt like this thing that had happened to us mm-hmm. was just like the mark of my life, right? It's like my dad passed away, this car accident happened, now my mom's, you know, handicapped, and now we live in this massive blended family situation. I don't even know how to explain it to the kids at school, why I like live with my aunt and my cousins, mm-hmm. right? Um, struggled financially because of it too, with our, it just being our moms. So my mom cleans, that's what she does for a living. She just works, for the most part, has worked at, um, like hotels and motels cleaning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really difficult um, yeah. kind of making sense of all the different changes that came after that. Mm-hmm. And at the time when my dad had passed away, um, it wasn't immediately that we had as many financial struggles. It was a couple years afterwards and we like lost our home here and then had to move to a different city. And And that was a really hard experience too kind of being displaced and not knowing what that would look like and then having to start all over again after just a few years of having felt like we started over, right? And so there was just a lot of different things that uh, felt like it kept going back to that same story of, Mm -hmm. okay, this one thing happened in my life and I just can't escape it. I mean, it was miserable. Yeah, It was just really miserable. I, I, I think as I got into my Early teen years, I, like, started feeling really bitter about it Mm -hmm. and really frustrated by it and really hurt and just sad that it felt like I couldn't escape this reality Mm -hmm. Um, and that it just felt like for the rest of my life, this is is what will have altered it. And so I think, like, into, like I said, into my early teenage years, I started, like, trying to think of ways to, like, escape it, right, of, Mm -hmm. like... How do I just get out of this situation or how do I make this not the story of my life anymore? Right. Whatnot. And so I think from a really early age, I like started having a pretty like achievement oriented mindset or like goal oriented mindset of, Mm -hmm. okay, I knew I had to like do well at school, right? Because then if I do well at school, I could go to college. Mm-hmm. And if I go to college, then maybe I could get a job and kind of get out of this, at least the financial situation. Right. The other thing was like, okay, if I go to school and I go to college, then I can get away from my family for a little bit of time, right? Mm-hmm. There was a way out, it seemed like, after the age of 18, I just had to do all the right things to get there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if I did that, then I'm good. And then this doesn't have to be what like marks my life anymore. Yeah. I can finally escape. And, and I think there's like something about, I, I don't know, I feel like... There's a lot of stories, you know, like when you like listen to motivational speakers mm-hmm. and they like come from a really hard background yes. and then they work so hard mm-hmm. and then they change their life or, or, you know, yeah. and everybody's like so impressed. Like, how did you do so much with your life coming from like a hard place? Right. right. And we're so impressed by it. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, okay, great. Like if I just do yeah. that, right. If I'm like, yeah. if I just turn this bad situation into something crazy good, then then I'd be fine, right? Then I yeah. then this isn't, you know, again, have to mark the rest of my life. But I feel like the pressure of like making your life yeah. <clears throat> better or accomplished or meaningful or all of those other things. Right. It's a pretty hard uh goal to set for yourself, you yeah. know? Especially it's, as a young person. Yeah. And especially as somebody who's never seen somebody do that with such like success. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, oh yeah. You could watch your mom work hard for years and years and years and years, but 
if you set that unrealistic goal of like, if she does this for 10 years, then she'll be a million, like, that's just not going to be successful. Right. And so the pressure of a teenager with little resources at this point to try and do that, like all at once by the time you're 18 is just feels crippling almost. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of anxiety to. Yeah. And then the added pressure of like, you know, with our family, which now is a joy to think about. It's funny to, to, to see how the Lord kind of changes these things. But when I was younger, um, the pressure of like our moms and our family dynamic being the way that it was that, okay, even when I am 18 or like I do go to college and I do mm-hmm. do something with my life, then I have this whole family right. to like take care of afterwards, right? It's like that, that that responsibility gets passed on because, yeah, you're right. It's not like my mom can just like work hard enough and make it in life. That's like not the story that's going to be for her. Right. Or any of us, really. Really, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's kind of the point. Is that like, Yeah. It's not attainable. Right. You know? And so... But I hate that, I hate that like as a young person who has like so much opportunity in life to just like explore and find out who you are, like that was the one thing that you were like, this one moment, like you said, it marked you. Yeah. Like it almost defined who you were yeah. for for a good amount of time. Yeah. Did and, you ever like, go ahead. And it just like led into like so many decisions that I made later on in life too, that I would just keep going back and be like... How did I get here? How did this happen? Oh, yeah, right. This one thing mm. that led to this situation that's now led to this situation. And right. So you just could never escape it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever find that, like, you were kind of striving for success and achievement? Like, did you achieve it? Like, did you set a goal and, like, you did it and, like, felt really accomplished and were like, yes, now I can, now I've graduated or now i am done this? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. I mean, I, I graduated school mm-hmm. and... And seemingly, this is kind of actually how we get into how I mm-hmm. became a believer, is it almost seemed like I had did all the things that I wanted to do mm-hmm. and accomplish, and I felt really empty, and it just didn't lead to the freedom that I thought it would, and it didn't yeah. change my story like I thought it would, and it didn't free me from all the things that I was walking in like I thought it would. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, actually exactly that, which... Like I said, early teens had this idea that if I just accomplish all these things, then I'd be fine. So I get into high school, mm-hmm. and in high school, similar story. I um, did all the things kind of right. I did well in school. I was involved, worked hard, managed kind of having the part-time job, helping out at home and, and doing the school thing. And it was fine. It was going fine. Um but I had this weird battle. I, I mean, I think this is like still very true for me. Mm-hmm. I had this like really hard um, dynamic within myself. It felt like that, like I wanted to be good so bad. Mm-hmm. I like wanted to be good and high achieving. And I knew a lot of my responsibility even back then. And that is a strong sense of like motivation in my life. But I also felt like, I have this like very like rebellious thing in me mm-hmm. that doesn't desire to do good. Yeah. And makes a pretty big mess of my life often. But I oddly walked the line really well. So again, going back to your to your question, mm-hmm. seemingly I did 
I did well at all the things, right? Right. I did really good at school. And by the time I was a senior in high school, I had a full ride scholarship to go to, I went to, ended up going to TCU and I'm really thankful yeah. um, that, you know, that worked out. But yeah, I, I ended up getting all the things, but at the same time, my high school years were like marked by so much sin mm. and so many decisions that just came out of, like I said, that, that thing in me that just had no desire to do good, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, it was a it was a weird balance, but even in some sense, I balanced it well, which felt good. Right. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I can like party it up on the weekends. I can like have this boyfriend that's like ruining my life. Mm-hmm. I can do all these crazy things, and I'm still really good at school and yeah. managing my responsibilities. And I'm not letting up on that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm kind of doing it really well. I've got the life made here, right? right. And then I I make it to senior year, and like I said, it's like I got the sh- scholarship. It all worked out. So all the good things worked out well. Yeah. All the necessarily bad decisions that I was making hadn't quite yet caught up to me, though they started feeling pretty bad. Yeah. You know, by age 17, 18, they started feeling pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And so I was just in this place that I was just super empty and like lonely still and bitter and none of the, what felt like anger and hurt and whatnot that came from the first several years of my life yeah. had been resolved. And again, it just came back to not being able to escape this one thing that happened, right? right. It, it kind of felt like, again, if I, when I think about all the bad decisions I made in high school, any of the sin that I was walking in in high school, it felt like so much of that was rooted in, okay, um, loneliness because my family was just such a chaotic right. environment that it felt really lonely in that. So if I just mm-hmm. find the right guy and yeah. put all my worth value in that, mm-hmm. then surely I won't feel lonely anymore. Right. Or finding my worth in relationships, in grades, in achievements, all these things. If I just did all of that enough, then surely mm-hmm. I don't have to be marked by what's happening at home or what's been said of my life, which is that it's been pretty difficult, right? Yeah. And so I just, again, it goes back to the same story of wanting to escape the story that I had mm-hmm. and not being able to find a way. And I made it to 17, 18 years old, thought I had done everything now mm-hmm. and actually accomplished all those things that yeah. I thought would help me feel free. And and they didn't. I just ended up with so much anger and bitterness and sadness and and hopelessness even in some ways, because it felt like I did the, the, the best ideas I had for this. Yeah. I did. And it didn't work out for me. Yeah. And I just, I didn't really understand where that feeling came from. But crazy story, um, the the kind of random thing that had happened was there was a guy that I went to middle school with. Mm-hmm. Um, he posted on his on his Facebook. It was like um, a pic. It was a couple pictures from his mission trip that he had just gone on, mm-hmm. and this lengthy oh, caption. Like a po- like you a know how it is. Post, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know how it is in the, the Christian world. The mountaintop experience. Oh my goodness. I'll never be the same. After- and maybe he wasn't. I should not be disparaging of that. I mean, I get it yeah. now. Yes. I get it now. It's so yeah. funny. And and it's like, we also get it in the sense of like, we know all of like, yes, in the Christian world, this is so uh-huh. yeah. So even that, but at that point, this was, I think my first interaction with something like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I like read through his post and I was like, okay, well, it seems like he's kind of happy about this thing that he did and feels good about life. And I think I had this like notion that Christians in general were like pretty happy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I was not. 
<laughs> I, that's what I knew for sure. I was not happy. I was not, no. Yeah, no, not at that point. And so I had read that post and I thought, well, that's crazy. Maybe, you know, he seems happy and I need to be happy. So mm-hmm. I'll try maybe that. Uh, I'll try that. And so it, it really wasn't try that in the sense of like getting to know God or having a relationship with God or uh, being a Christian or any of that sort. I was just like, maybe I should try going to church or something like that. Yeah. And, um, so I decided to go to church for the first time. The way I kind of figured that out was I Christ Chapel was the church right across the freeway from where I went to high school at the time. Mm-hmm. So I'd seen it a lot. You can't miss it. It's, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. Big. Yeah. So I knew that it existed. <laughs> well lit. <laughs> yeah. And I looked it up and I saw that they had a 5 p.m. service and I was like, okay, well, that seems like... Mm-hmm. I was not going to go to the morning service. No. 5 p.m., like people might not like notice you slip in. Right. You could like brush up against the people who might be happy and maybe some of it will rub off rub on off. you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So looked it up, saw that they had a 5 p.m. service, decided to go. So this was my first time going to church ever. By yourself? By myself. Without like being invited at all? No. Okay. Yeah. This is incredible. I love this story so Yeah. Much. So just walked in and sat through the sermon. And I'll tell you what, I honestly don't remember what the sermon was about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did think there were so many things that I thought was were so weird. I didn't know people like sat up and or stood up and sang songs uh-huh. together. Um, there were so many different things about it that were so yes. <laughs> bizarre for the first time. Yeah. Um, but I sat through the service and then I walked out into the sanctuary kind of foyer, foyer area mm-hmm. and there was a guy in a suit. Now I know they're deacons. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> I did not know it. Is there time. in a suit at the five o'clock service and probably a deacon? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, this man just walks up to me and he kind of starts asking me a bunch of questions. He's like, you here alone? Like, how old are you? <laughs> Your first time? Yeah. And I'm just chatting away with him. And he's like, okay, well, we actually have a, a high school service right after this happening in, in the den. You want me to walk you over? And I was like, sure. Why not? I can't believe right? you said yes. That's so amazing. I can't either. And I, I think I expected it to be the same as what I just did, except with high schoolers, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, I just did this for the first time. Surely I can just walk into this other thing and, yeah. and try it out. So I went over and and it wasn't like a sermon. It wasn't mm-hmm. like that. It was it was HSM small group time. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I walk in, I meet, I think the first person I met, they introduced me to was Graham McMillan oh <laughs> at my the goodness. time. So I walk in, meet him. Uh, get chatting, and then they 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 plop me down in a in a group of girls, in a small group, in a small group, yeah, like a really intimate, like yeah, <laughs> small a, setting, yeah, so different from yeah. what I just did in the other room. Oh <laughs> so it's brand new again, and I'm sitting there, not a believer, mm-hmm. at church for the first time. Mm-hmm. Somehow made it over to this small group, and they just dropped me into this small group, um, and everybody's like sitting there with Bibles that they own. They belong to the, yes. these girls who are my age. Uh-huh. They have their own Bibles that they like write in, take notes in. Mm-hmm. They like talk about their feelings. They talk about the Bible. They talk about what's going on in their life, what the Bible has to say about their life. Yep. I mean, it was just the craziest thing. Yeah. It was. I had no idea that this is what people did. I had, when I say like I had like no concept of what the gospel was or what the Christian life was or what it was like. Yeah, I just had no idea. I did yeah. not have really any believers in my life that I can remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had no idea that people like met in small groups yeah. and owned Bibles and read them and mm-hmm. went home and read their Bibles. I had literally yes. no idea. Yeah. You know? And so 
first time ever kind of did that. And um, it was really neat. I mean, I don't know that I was like the most comfortable or like the most excited to be there. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting. And then they kept inviting me back and I kind of didn't get it. But all the girls were super kind to me in the group. They would like ask me to meet up with them to have smoothies and then we'd sit there and talk and mm -hmm. they'd, you know, invite me back to group or yeah. anything before group if they're doing it. And they were just really good at being consistent in how they pursued me well. Mm. And that was also n new to me. Right. I don't think outside the Christian world, people don't sit down and want to know your story or like right. want to know what's going on. And I felt like I could be so honest with them. They knew I wasn't a believer. Um, and they still kept inviting me back. And so I felt safe to even share with them all the kind of things that were going on in my life at the time. I'm like, okay, well, I've got this horrible relationship and here's what's going on. In it. And mm -hmm. I'm doing these things on the weekend and here's how it's making me feel and whatever. And, yeah. and they kept inviting me back every time I would say stuff like that. Mm -hmm. There was like no judgment there, yeah. you know? Yes. So it felt like, you know, my first kind of experiences with like confession and stuff like that were also so sweet mm -hmm. in the best ways. Like yeah, they were so gracious and and welcoming and and did such a good job at reflecting who Christ was. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, that was a really awesome experience. And then eventually, like, my uh, leaders of that group at the time ended up sharing the gospel with me kind of over a meal. And it, it I don't define this as, like, my, like, salvation moment, right? Yeah. Though I, that, that was like, okay, no, this is, like, what I believe. Yeah. At that point, that's, you know, that's a decision I had made. But it wasn't because of that single conversation. Really what it was was, being in a small group for several months, mm -hmm. sitting there and like walking in what confession looks like with these girls and them being gracious and kind towards me. Then on top of it, it's like, really, I think I, f I feel pretty passionately about this because of how my story has worked out. But being in the word consistently yeah. for the first time in my life, um, I didn't know that it was changing my heart or changing my life or affecting me in the ways that it was that to the point where that when the gospel was presented to me, I was like, oh, this just makes sense, right? Yes. You know? Yeah. It's because the word is like active and alive and and changes our hearts. And so mm -hmm. I had no idea at the time that I was sitting through these Bible studies and it was changing something in me, but that's what God's word does. And so, um, yeah, I like feel really passionately about just time in scripture and how that changes hearts and mm -hmm. our single greatest resource, you know? Yes. Um, as Christians. And so that is really where I feel like I understood the gospel for the first time yeah being reading scripture and talking through god's word was really what changed my heart i think and mm -hmm. and really what it was is as i was reading these things or talking with my group it made sense and i'll tell you how it was it was things like it, they would talk about sin and say sin makes you feel xyz it, it it hurts you. It destroys you. Mm -hmm. It does this to your life. And I stood there and I was like, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel these things. Yes. I was like, I think you're right. You're onto something because it doesn't feel good. Right. You know? Yeah. And then even on the flip side where it's like the, the sin that's a little harder to identify, right? The achievement, the mm -hmm. putting your hope in something. Yeah. And you get it and it doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I felt that too. Yeah. You absolutely. know? And so there were so many things at that point that just checked out and how kind of the Lord that I feel like he brought me to a place yeah. in my life where those things weren't bringing me joy Absolutely. or satisfaction yeah. or anything really anymore. And I was feeling all of the hurt and despair that comes from sin, mm -hmm. right? Yep. But the Lord meeting that with truth <clears throat> and scripture 
and what he says about sin, just so that it all makes sense. Yes. I was like, I, I think I get what you're saying now, God. Yeah. I get it. And if this is true, then I can be confident that if what you say about sin and my life is true, mm-hmm. and you're telling me that you've, you're going to restore it. Yes. And I can place my hope in this, this other thing, Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think I could trust that, right? I'm like, there, he's on to something here. I think I can trust that. And so that kind of was where I landed with, or how I landed at, here, mm-hmm. essentially, as a, as a believer now, um, was understanding that I think all of it just checked out. It just made sense. And so I could trust God. I, I felt like for the very first time, I was like, okay, well, this makes sense. I can I can believe that the rest of this is true. Mm-hmm. And it is true. And And the Lord does restore and redeem all theme, things. And I, like, the last several years of walking with the Lord have, like, seen all of those things, right? My life looks night and day different now yeah, because of what the Lord has done mm-hmm. in my life. He has, he promised that he would yeah, restore my life, and he did. And that is, like, so sweet. I think about that with now <laughs> understanding the gospel a little bit better, right? The Lord's heart is salvation for us, right? Mm-hmm. He, that's what he desires for us. And so he could have left the story at like, okay, I will send my son for you. And if you believe in him, then you are saved, right? So that's okay. that's the narrative. And and we do have that, right? That's where, yes. that's where we land. But, and he could have left it at that. Mm-hmm. And so we could have left, we could have lived all of our lives in this sin, struggle, mm-hmm. inflicted life. Right. Right. And then eventually when we, we see the Lord again, then we're rede- redeemed and restored and renewed and all these other things. And then that's mm-hmm. kind of where it could have been left at. But the Lord doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. He starts working in our lives actively now. Right. Shows, of these, shows us these like little glimpses of restoration and his plan for redemption in our lives now. Mm-hmm. He eases sin in our life and frees us from things that we thought we would never be able to run from, right? Uh huh. And restores them and makes them new in our life now. And it may not all work out perfectly right now, right? I am right. still struggling with so many things right. in my life, but just the fact that the Lord's plan is so sweet and like so gracious and so kind of Him to work in our lives now. When it it salvation would have been just as sweet if we we got there, right? And experienced it. It doesn't take away from that, right? But we get to experience God's goodness. And grace now. Yes, absolutely. So He didn't have to give us the pictures of what eternity will look like. Exactly. But He does because it, and I, I mean, this is my opinion, but I think it makes us long for that even more. Mm-hmm. And we get His presence now. Like the idea that eternity with Him is good and perfect and pleasing to us is because He's there with us in fullness. Like we'll be in the fullness of His glory. Yep. And here we get we get little pictures of that so that when we have it eventually, our souls will they'll be satisfied because we already have a taste for it. Mm-hmm. And life before being in the word and knowing him, like is just devoid completely of that taste. Like we don't even know. It's like never tasting sugar. Yeah. Now I'm not like here to advocate for like eat a bunch of sugar. That's not gonna be great for us. But if you never taste sugar, you don't know to crave it. Yep. But when you do, then you're like, I, have, I want that. Like, yep. I want that. It's a sweet and pleasing taste to me. Mm-hmm. Now I really want some candy. Yeah. But, and I think that's like 
the best part, the Lord thinks of all these things and has plans for all these things, a plan that is is perfect, right? Mm-hmm. Things that I wouldn't even think of yes. that were needed. And so, and it's it's the ways that he works in this way, right? That make it so that all the years of hoping that I could escape from the story mm-hmm. that I had that marked so much of my life, I could finally escape. And not because, not because it didn't happen or I can now run away from the narrative or anything like that, but that isn't what marks my life anymore. What marks my life is my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. At the point that I like became a believer, that became my new story. And that's the story I get to share with everybody now is how the Lord took this really sad thing that happened in my life. Mm-hmm. And all of the years and decisions and choices and and struggles that came with that, how he redeemed and restored that now is my story. Mm-hmm. And and I feel free. Yeah. You know? Mm. So I I think that I think that's it. It's I, I longed for so long for my life to look different and my story to mean something. And like I said, find purpose and freedom and all these things. And the Lord has provided all those things, freedom Mm -hmm. from my story and, and knowing that that doesn't define who I am because now Mm -hmm. my identity in Christ is what defines who I am. Purpose now giving me a new mission in mind, which is sharing the gospel. I can't imagine a greater purpose, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like back then I was chasing all these things, jobs and yeah, hopes for, Freedom in a different sense, but yeah. now that I have this, obviously we know that it's better. Mm-hmm. So it's awesome how God works in those ways. Mm-hmm. And I've heard you say before, like when you look back at your life and knowing that you were like in a city where like it was very normal for people to go to church mm-hmm. and have that experience and to know the gospel and to be reading the word at home, mm-hmm. looking back on that and knowing that those people were around you yep. and didn't didn't tell you. Didn't tell me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that is, it was actually like a year after I became a believer that I had that thought, I think for the first time. Um, I was still a very baby believer at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there and I was like, I could not believe. I, I came to know the Lord at what, 18, 18 years old. And not that I was super old. I know that's young. Yeah. You know, but there were many years lived before then, before 18, right? Mm -hmm. And so it just kind of, it it brought me to a spot where I was just like, yeah, like there's so many people around me. Maybe I didn't know them super well, but even like at the grocery store, like Mm -hmm. walking around and stuff that that they knew the gospel yeah, or people close to me that knew the gospel that Uh said they loved me, right? Right. And, And they knew the gospel. They also knew what it meant for me to not know the gospel Mm -hmm. and they didn't tell me. Yeah. And I was like, why didn't you tell me? Yes. You know? I could have used that I information. <laughs> now, I'm really thankful for the way that the Lord has like worked out my story mm-hmm. because I like see the Lord's pursuit of my life in my story a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I did not want to know Him. I had no interest in knowing Him or being a Christian or walking with Jesus. Or I, I just, I, I didn't, I didn't desire any of those things, but the Lord pursued me. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much sweetness, I think, in how the story worked out. Yeah. But right. that doesn't take away from the fact that I, I got to this point and I was like, shoot, no one said anything. Yeah. Why didn't they say anything? Yeah. I've got to say something. Yes. You know? Yeah. I'm like, I have to now. And so that was a really fun kind of season in my life too, to 
walkthrough of that frustration and confusion, but also leading that, like that leading me to where I'm at now, which is pretty passionate about sharing the gospel (laughs) with the people around me. Cause I'm like, I say, I love you. Mm -hmm. And, um, I know what the gospel means for my life and I know what the gospel means for you. And I know what it means when you don't know it or believe it. And, Mm -hmm. and we're not going to stay there, you know? And so I, you know, I think that time of, of frustration and whatnot, of feeling like, why didn't anybody say anything mm-hmm. has just led me to this place of feeling really passionately about saying something. I think it's like the single most important thing we can do with our lives, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. You've also talked about how the, how God has restored a lot of things in your life. Um, <clears throat> and I know growing up with a lot of people in a small space mm-hmm. can lend itself to some conflicts. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> no matter how you live, I think there are a lot of conflicts in growing up, yeah. but especially in a time of, of chaos. Um, have you seen the Lord like working redemptively in those relationships? Oh yeah. It's, it's crazy. My family, they're still not believers, um, you know, right now, but, uh, the way that the Lord works is, is so interesting that even when people, not all the people, not all the pieces of the puzzle, right, right are like working right yeah. <laughs> towards him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that he still changes things and restores things and 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 works in things. And so I've seen that so much in my in my family um, relationships for sure since I became a believer. And this is not to say I became a believer and I started doing things different and now everything's better, right? right. That's not it. Mm-hmm. It's the Lord worked in me. The Lord has changed my heart. And the Lord has now changed so many circumstances in my family. I feel like one of the first things that the Lord taught me about when I was a believer was that the Lord has like forgiven me of much, right? Mm-hmm. I really desperately needed the forgiveness from the Lord and the Lord gave it to me. And I knew that. And I knew that the next thing was then to extend the same mm-hmm. to those around me. Um, I couldn't go on living in like bitterness and frustration and anger and, and resentment and all these other things. And I felt like my family was a, a huge place where that lived for me, those yeah. feelings, right? And so I knew that I had to start forgiving. But I think what's crazy is, although that was what the Lord prompted me to do, I think the action step for that was for the very first time when I go home, I have to apologize, right? Wow. I like say something rude, I have to apologize for it. If something happens in the smallest of senses, I felt like the Lord really convicted me to to learn how to apologize for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so that was like the first kind of shift in that. But the way that the Lord has used that now, that was when I was 18. Yeah. Very f- early years in college too, yeah. going back home and being trying to be different. Mm-hmm. That's difficult. You know, yeah, and I'm like, my life has changed now. I want to, sh- I want to, I want to be changed. Yes. in all things. Yeah, even in the areas that are hard. Mm-hmm. My family being one of them. Um, but I wanted to do that, and and now as I'm now 25, what's crazy is I think it was last. No, it was in 2021. Mm-hmm. I remember it being in 2021 <laughs> because it was such <laughs> a crazy experience. But my family, they all now. Not all of them, but some of them have learned how to apologize. Oh wow! For the first time, oh, and I was, we didn't say sorry growing up. It's like things would happen, and we just kind of brush it off and we'd move on. But, mm-hmm. but I think the weight of an apology is pretty great. And so, yeah. Um, in like 2021, I I had heard my cousin apologize to her son. Oh, who was wow. a teenager. Oh, for the very first time, mm-hmm. and I mean. 
it was such a huge moment. I felt yeah. like we we didn't have that growing up, and mm-hmm. and it was hard, you know. And yeah. and to even just like know that my nephew, my mm-hmm. won't have to experience the same kind of like bitterness because just one word was said right right Mm -hmm. and that's all it really takes right yeah but even that being something that the lord is like working in Mm -hmm. while my family they're not believers he's still working in their lives and working in our relationships and the way that the lord has restored my relationship to my family so that i don't have to live with all this bitterness and Mm -hmm. anger and frustration and distance from them right i don't have to function out of this means of protection. I don't need that anymore. The Lord protects me and takes care of me and gives me all that I need. I can be with them, love them, serve them freely because the Lord gives me all that I need to do those things. And so he's, he's done amazing things Mm -hmm. in, in the, in my family for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's just like one area, but yeah, huge. And I think the craziest part is that not, again, not everybody is even interested in following God, yet God, right. mm-hmm. again, works in our lives yeah. and pursues us and changes our hearts mm-hmm. the way that he does, even when we aren't choosing him back. Absolutely. So I think my family, especially, is an area that I've seen the Lord work so greatly in and mm-hmm. and has relieved me a lot too mm-hmm. and freed me up from all of the different emotions and stuff that I felt that yeah. now mm-hmm. we can have such sweet relationships and I'm very close to them and yeah. feel free to be close to them too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's something I, I think a lot of it, like no matter what kind of family you come from, like as you become independent or an adult, you know, going back to your family can always be a little different and it can be marked by some of the previous hurts as you're growing up or from the past years. Um, but to see the Lord working so, I feel like forgiveness and apologizing is such a, a dear one to our hearts mm-hmm. because it requires humility. And humility does not... It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like you can't muster it up. I, I know because I've, I've tried really hard to muster up humility and mm-hmm. it just doesn't work. Um but to recognize that you are in need of somebody's forgiveness, that's really, mm-hmm. really difficult. And then to trust that person enough to say, I know I've done wrong. I know I need your forgiveness. Will you forgive me? Mm-hmm. And really being that vulnerable with somebody is just, it's difficult. Yeah. Um, so I'm super encouraged to hear that the Lord is at work there. Mm-hmm. Because I think too, as believers, it's difficult to share the gospel with your family. Yeah, so difficult. Yeah. It feels like almost the hardest area because they've seen all your bad. Yes. If anyone's seen it, it's your family, right? Yeah. They've seen all the bad. They've seen all the mess. But the best part about that is that when the Lord changes your life, they can also see the most difference in, in that area. And, mm-hmm. and I'm so thankful that the Lord works the way that he does. And I've seen so much of that, that in my life too. Even this was several months ago, but my mom and I were talking and there was some conflict going on in our family at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I wasn't really a part of it, mm-hmm. um, but I knew that it was going on. Um, and she made a comment of, you know, when you were a kid, I was always worried about you because 
because it was always you in these these arguments. It was always you. You you always you know said too much or you know. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a part of my life. Yeah. And conflict in our family was really hard. And she she's like, I'm just glad that that's like not you anymore and oh, that wow. you're not a part of this. I, I don't have to worry about you anymore. Oh. And we got to have a really cool conversation about how the Lord has like changed so much in me that I, mm-hmm. yeah, like that's not who I am anymore. And yeah. the Lord has done so much in my heart in those areas to have, you know, managing my words and like mm-hmm. controlling my temper and yeah. All the different things. And so even in the smallest of ways, but in the ways that I think affect our families the most, yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, the Lord has restored so much in those areas. And I'm just so thankful that that's what the Lord's doing. Mm-hmm. And also that we get to have good conversations when my mom notices those kinds of things. And we yeah. get to say, hey, this is what God does. Yeah. This is literally his whole His yeah. whole deal. Yeah. Is this and and it's small small thing right now, but it, he he does this at the larger scale. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's incredible. The that moment that you thought marked your life, mm-hmm. they were the, like she was there for it. Yep. If anybody knows, she's the one who would know. Yeah. And then for her to recognize like the stark contrast of like no. That didn't define me. Like, I am defined by something different and new and good. And And I hope that, you know, like, especially with my family, I hope that that's, like, the thing that they see now is they were there for all the years Mm -hmm. and saw and experienced it, too. And I, in so many ways, are still walking in it. I feel like they still feel stuck in kind of the – Mm-hmm. things that have happened so many years ago. But now seeing my life that looks so different, mm-hmm. there's so much about me that's not what happened. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I I think it's it's sweet to get to see those things, and yeah. I'm glad that they get to see it. Mm-hmm. Me too. I'm glad that you want to share that with them too. Yeah. There are like 8 million other things I would love for you to talk about. I know that you're really big into your community of believers. Mm-hmm. I know that you really are passionate about your work yeah. and bringing faith into your work. Um, and those are all conversations maybe we'll have on future stories <laughs> on this podcast with you. Um, but if you listeners have a chance to get to know Krupa, do it. Please don't wait another day without meeting her. If you <laughs> see her, say hi. Um, because I just am really grateful that the Lord pursued you so beautifully and you want to tell people about it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pray and thank the Lord for his work and just thank you so much, Krupa, for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Enjoy. (laughs) Lord, thank you so much um, for the good work that you do in us um, so that you can do good work through us. Um, I thank you for Krupa. I thank you for her story. I thank you for the way that you've woven your grace um, throughout her life. I thank you for the way you pursued her so fervently and the way that you love her so deeply. Um, I ask that um, we would boldly and lovingly and graciously proclaim your gospel um, with every chance that we get. Um, I pray that you would equip us to do that um, by your word and that we would hold dearly to it um, because it is a wellspring of life to us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks for listening. For more episodes, be sure to follow Encouraged and Equipped.